0: The City of Albuquerque Public Art Urban Enhancement Division and Department of Arts and Culture proudly present Take Another Look. Built on the foundation of two city ordinances, art in municipal places, and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund, the Public Art Urban Enhancement Division provides funds to artists to create art for the public, as well as arts organizations for arts and cultural programming. Join us as we discuss everything related to funding artists in the public realm with host Joni Palmer.
1: Hello, I'm Joni Palmer and welcome back to Take Another Look at Albuquerque's Public Art. Today, I will be talking with Dr. Kimberly Pinder and Nani Chacon about the power and the perception of murals. So let me start by telling you a little bit about my two guests. Since 2021, uh, Dr. Kimberly Pinder has served as the Stravos Nearchos Foundation Dean of the School of Art at Yale University, where she is also an alumna. Prior to returning to Connecticut, she was the provost and acting president of the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston and dean and museum director at the University of New Mexico. Dr. Pinder is a scholar of representations of religion and race in America, uh, in American art. And her books include Racing Art History and Painting the Gospel, Black Public Art and Religion in Chicago. Through civic and campus partnerships, she has led mural projects in Chicago, Albuquerque, and most recently, New Haven. Our other guest is Nani Chacon. Uh, She is a Diné, a Navajo and Chicana artist who has been highly active in the public arts sector for, for over two decades. Although known for large scale murals, her practice expands across disciplines, including illustration and installation. Last year, uh, a major uh, solo museum exhibition at Site Santa Fe included rope installation pieces based on weaving patterns and large-scale paintings inspired by DNA creation stories. Her numerous mural projects focused on community engagement, addressing the complexity of contemporary uh, Indigenous cultures and identities. So thank you both for joining me in the studio today. Yes,
0: thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm gonna set the the stage a little bit about you know why are we devoting this is the first of three episodes about um, about murals as part of this podcast series. And so, when I was talking with um, Sherry Bruegerman the director of the public art program uh she she said there's three things why we should be talking about them why we're talking about them in, in albuquerque and one they've grown in popularity in new mexico and they've grown in popularity across the united states as well there's there's been a lot more critical study and and this is where kim you come in uh, about these uh about the murals um that we see in our everyday lives uh in in the united states Also, murals are just one of the pathways for artists to get into the field of public art. And last, uh, murals are a collaborative process. They are a way for the community to get involved in public art making. So in this set of episodes, we will be reflecting on how the city's public art program took a big leap of faith many years ago, reinvigorating murals as public conversation and manifestation of the many voices of our city. So I'm excited to be talking with these two women today because both of them have done some really innovative work. And as Dean of the College of Fine Arts at UNM, when Kim was here, she offered a course on the history and collaborative making of murals. Uh, And it generated a lot of interest at the university level, but also at the community level. And Nani, Uh, She's a prolific muralist in Albuquerque who came to the city's program through Working Classroom, uh, a really amazing nonprofit organization whose mission is to, and this is from their website, cultivate the artistic, civic, and academic minds of youth through in-depth arts projects with contemporary artists to amplify historically ignored voices, resist systemic injustices, and imagine a more equitable society. So with that, let's talk about murals. So uh, could you both tell me a little bit about how you two got to know each other around this topic of murals? Because um, you aren't strangers to one another.
0: Um, No, we're not. It's nice to (laughs) share the stage again with Kim. Um, We've been fortunate enough to be able to talk or be in in conversation with one another a couple of times. And we also taught a course together. Um, The first time I met Kim, we were just kind of reminiscing on this, was back in 2015, and um, had curated a show that was at the cross-sections of, I want to say, like, social, political uh, views, activism. um, And I want to say, like... um, maybe like interventions within that thought and idea. And she can probably add add more to that. Um, but yeah, that was our first kind of meeting and getting to know each other and was largely impressed by her focus on public art. I... Don't see in the academic realm and definitely um, when I was a college student that that was a topic that was ventured into a lot. So to understand that at the time our dean um, for UNM that had an extensive background in public art and especially murals and murals painted by people of color was I was like, I want to know this woman. (laughs) Um, I'm already inspired and this is all great. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my recollection of where it began. Yeah, okay. and I just want to
2: add to that um, that it was a show called um, Necessary Force Are the Police State that was focusing on all of the systemic um, reasons why we have various relationships with law enforcement. And I was impressed by Nani's um, mural-sized uh, work that was addressing settler colonialism and um and land occupation, essentially, um, that I wanted it to be in the show. And we were so fortunate that it was actually in the lobby of Pope Joyce. So it was kind of like the, the first image um, that you actually saw before you walked through the doors of the gallery. So oh, I, awesome. I was blown away by her taking on that, um, that topic and also in a large mural format that I felt this has to be a part of really prepping people as they enter to deal with this topic by many different contemporary artists in the show. And then I had the wonderful pleasure of being able to pull her back in to UNM (laughs) to do this course with me, a history of mural painting. That was the first mural course that I taught in which um, it has like a parallel um, curriculum. It's the history. like we go through, you know, Michelangelo Rivera, but also um, simultaneously we're working on a project that um, is a mural that was in Albuquerque partnering with Sherry. um, (laughs) That was so amazing before I even thought about teaching this course when I first arrived at um, UNM and met Sherry who was teaching there. Uh, And she said, you know, we have a public art office and I would love I know that you've done this in other cities. I would love when you have time (laughs) um, to facilitate (laughs) an actual mural being painted by your students in Albuquerque. And we were able to do that with Nani and Sherry. So that's the kind of like just kind of dreamlike partnership that I look for (laughs) when I go somewhere to not only engage students, um, in making art, but also doing it with a civic purpose.
1: Right, so. these, are, these are amazing convergences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're lucky to have them in our lives. Um, well, you know, both of you, you know, we're talking about murals. So um, let's start with a really basic question. What is a mural? How do you define, um, how do you, and I'm, I'm speaking directly to you, not the, the, the larger plural you, um, how do you define mural?
2: Well I I'll talk about how I define it when I teach the history of mural painting that again Nani was a part of that class as a wonderful partner and collaborator and also like mentor to our students not only um, in actually physically making the mural but also talking very much about concerns and you know what the life of a muralist is um, in terms of all the things you have to contend with very different from just doing work in the studio right. So for me, when I teach this course, I go all the way back to cave paintings. <laughs> so many people would say that's not really a mural. But I'm, I guess for me, I define it in um, my class as images that are placed on a wall for a public. Um, mm. So that's why it goes from mural paintings to frescoes to you know, all the different ways in which um, and graffiti. I actually end with graffiti in that class. So now I, I'll mm-hmm. pass it over to Nani, who creates murals and has created many, many types of works publicly.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I feel like um, you know the basic kind of top kind of smooth over would be like a painting on a wall. But really, for me, it's it's more so about um, activating a space and activating an environment or manipulating or changing that environment. Um, Also interjecting um, on a space uh, to create conversation or to to express ideas um, that that space previously didn't hold. Um, It then becomes a container uh, and a way to engage the public and engage communities, engage um, the broader masses into conversation and realities of, um, based upon landscape. So yeah, that, that's where it is for me. And I think in having, I, I started out with a background in, in graffiti. And I did graffiti for a lot of years and that was like the primary principle that 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 taught me was how you can make a mark upon a surface on a wall and immediately get a reaction Um, and get a reaction from a number of people that was going to be varied um, and that was going to be met with approval as well as disapproval. And to me, that was just incredibly interesting that there wasn't another type of art form, that there wasn't another way to kind of peacefully be able to interact with my environment in in such a radical way. Um, In a way that uh, my peaceful action, my my action that essentially was created solo, you know, I'm a five foot three. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> woman on the street making a mark and that it could be met with so much resistance or so much acceptance and um, that that was the way that I wanted to form a language
1: I, I love how these two definitions you know uh, uh, slightly more academic but also then uh, this this more active right mm-hmm. uh, this idea of making a mark and that that mark uh that you you know that it's going to there's there will be approval or disapproval acceptance or resistance and and i think that's a powerful way for us to be thinking about murals um i'm i'm wondering then you know with both of these definitions uh what why do you think then murals have grown in popularity in new mexico and across the u.s with your definitions in mind? Like, I can think of a few reasons, but what do you, what do you think? What is that popularity all about?
2: Well, I'll start in terms of um, just adding to that beautiful way in which Nani is describing her feeling of, you know, the way it empowers you. You know, clearly we heard from an artist who um, does not have to rely on the acceptance of an institution to create her mark um, and that relates a little bit to why I do cave paintings to graffiti, because I literally start in my class with those handprints, that are so well known about um, the cave paintings. That those are making marks. Those are you know those are signatures. Those are about presence, and also about storytelling, mm. um, and that this um, unfettered type of storytelling that is there on the street for anyone to engage with with. And this idea, what Nani said—that you'll have resistance or acceptance, love, hate—and that's why you know mural painting isn't for everyone, <laughs> because you have to be accepting of all the unexpected mm. audiences. And sometimes I talk in academic terms, counterpublics that you mm-hmm. will, that your art encounters that has nothing to do with any control that you have, and that I, and you hear in Nani's description is a sense of freedom as well about your art making and the generosity that I love about public artists and muralists, that they are giving this to whomever wants to take it. Um, And they don't have to worry about gatekeeping or anything or prices, you know, entrance fees or anything, it's just a gift. And that I find with people like Nani who are muralists that they have this generosity in their spirit of art making that you don't find with every single artist. Um, And again, it relates to that storytelling. It's a place for people to tell their stories any way they would like. And it also is a democratic area Mm. where people of color, people who are marginalized, um, LGBTQ, people who may not have found acceptance in other traditional art arenas can just tell their stories.
1: Right on the street, right, right, and and then and the notion, especially in today's um, very po- polarized uh, political in our society, um, democracy and telling stories and freedom are really important. Yeah. and and do you think that's part of why? Um, and I'm thinking about popularity, and, and maybe this is a, a just a, a a really quick kind of clarifier. Um, popularity amongst artists, artists who want to do this work, but also the people who are uh, in these communities, including, as you said, those counterpublics?
0: I mean, for me, I I am kind of bringing both of those questions together. Um, I think a great deal of agency um, is needed to be felt by people in urban centers or in communities. And murals has... Provided that sense of agency and I I want to take it back like and think about public planning and urban enhancement and those kind of bureaucratic Mm -hmm. formats of looking at our cityscapes Mm -hmm. and for a very very long time I think that there was a scope and idea to really have cities be homogenized and Mm -hmm. have them kind of work within a scope. that didn't really lend to a lot of artistic expression. Um, And I think that public art art is incredibly powerful, um, which is why I think a lot of public art has kind of gone more into a bureaucratic uh, curation process rather than a fine art or an art curation process is, is because of that. And we saw this era of public art and murals kind of taking on that more scope. And then um, graffiti, I think, illuminated that people wanted to see what made sense to them. People wanted to see beauty. People wanted to see color interjection. And, And there's been this trajectory that actually has a freedom around so many different facets of wall marking. Um, It going from graffiti into street art and into, you know, more sanctioned walls. Um, And then at the same time, there's a political side to it, which I've always loved that um, Kim knows a great deal about this, is um, the way that communities, um, black communities, Chicano communities really found their voice and... A celebration of culture um, and their neighborhoods and who they were by creating these environments on projects, you know, on projects or. Um, community housing developments um, to really say like, no, we aren't this box and square of all of these uh, different mm. things that look exactly the same. <laughs> We're gonna beautify right. all of this and make it our own. And in that, um, you there was empowerment. And, and I think that we are now at the point of understanding <clears throat> that um, the homogenization of our cityscapes, really does a disservice to to our, our bonding as a community, as cities, and to branch. And I think more progressive cities recognize that. Right? More progressive cities recognize that public art should be in the hands of the people, mm-hmm. um, that it should be recognized as art and not just a way to promote um, ideas mm. of bureaucracy or idea or even like worst like corporations or something mm. like that mm. which which happens posterism <laughs> yeah posterism um that really has a, a unique power and strength within that so yeah i think that that's that that's the the draw you know is now we're, we're beginning to see this long legacy of mural making and kind of the resistance of what public art was. And it's kind of, um, on this beautiful journey of, of showing it a completely different sides It's also, um, the thing about mural making is, um, I think it's accessible. Um, that's always a strong part and a strong, um, thing that I, I love about, about murals is
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's, the materials that are involved in it, aside from other, like it's not like creating a sculpture. Like you need, you mm-hmm. know, wind load tests and, you know, you to weld, and, you know, do all of these other very technical yeah. things to make sure that it, it has the wherewithal. But um, this year using paint and water. Uh, so it's very accessible means to change something and activate a space, and that that space could be activated um, by almost anybody. Um, by anyone who's willing to take on the labor of that. So, yeah. Right.
1: Well, I, I love that you're you know talking about urban planning. Um, you're speaking my language. And, um, and also this idea of accessibility and labor for these communities that um, are, are actually uh, sharing their stories. And, and, and so, I mean, because I'm imagining that a lot of people are listening to uh, this podcast, their notion of murals is is probably pretty limited, um, as as I would imagine um, we we all have until somebody helps us expand those definitions and see the world differently. Uh, um, so so I guess this leads to my question about some of the work that you're both doing. How how have the communities perceived this work, and has that perception? change through the work or the labors of the various people um, that are involved in that mural making.
0: Yeah. So um, I want to say about 80 to 90 percent of the murals that I create um, involved a community engaged process. And that solely is designated to when I create murals. And I, I enjoy incorporating that part in the process. So each one of these pieces is truly unique. Um, I look at them as inviting um, inviting a chance for conversation to be injected into environment and landscape. And recognizing that that question and that um, conversation happens in synthesis. So that it can't just be me. Um, it's not just me, you know, saying, hey, what do you guys think about this? Um, it starts off with the community first. And i it, it's an incredible learning process for me from the beginning. And really it's about kind of starting, starting there and understanding the ownership And the responsibility of place and understanding that um, there's a stewardship that has to begin at the very kind of ground level of creating this work um, for the community to invest the time and for it to be. I I really want to create a piece that is is um, is embraced, you know, that is that is started with ideas that are already there and not just me kind of. Making something and leaving it there, and then you know, expecting people to take care of it or to understand it. Um, <clears throat> so that I mean, that's that's my process. That that's the intention and and the way that I approach murals that I feel is most interesting is to approach it like a conversation, to approach it like a question, that then people have to come in and answer, um, or that they can contemplate when they pass by it. And in that I think that the that then the processes um engage throughout from beginning to end mm-hmm. and that the community from the very beginning had an has an opportunity to own this work, um, to contemplate this work, but also to design and f and, and facilitate the work. Um so it it's never I guess just like I guess that community engagement part or that community acceptance part, however you worded it Mm. um, happens from the very moment that this work is created. Mm.
1: Okay. Don't thank you for that. Kim, how about you? Um, I, you know, I'm
2: just, again, kind of um, responding to Nani's words about stewardship. Like I just kind of, Really latched on to that term that she used, and mm. there are different ways. I mean, there are some muralists. We're you know we're sitting here with someone who is so thoughtful about what this idea of giving a piece to the public is, in that it is a relationship that you're creating. You know, there's some muralists that just kind of fly in and put on their headphones, get up on the scaffolding, do something that's just a real blown up image that they created in their studio and then they leave um, but you know what drew me to nani's work and also has continued to make me want to collaborate with her um, is what she just explained that the the mural um, as a piece of public art is really to be something that the community the people that you're going to leave to look at it all the time um, actually will feel ownership around it by participating in it. And I um, actually teach a class to first year MFA students at Yale on public art, much bigger Mm. um, definition as you've covered here in the show. But I teach it as um, something that really is about understanding this as a relationship. Um, That Mm. it's being an artist that is not just plopping down their work, but they're actually Mm -hmm their practice of making the work of art is creating a relationship and some kind of reciprocal relationship with the people who you're going to leave the work with. Um, And that's something that I feel should always be taught around um, Mm. the way you should think about making art for the public, um, and especially
1: with mural making, as Nani has described. Well, we only have about five minutes. I wish we had 45 minutes oh, so we no. could continue this conversation. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll have to come back to it in a future episode. Um, so I'm I'm going to ask uh, a question for both of you. Is um, so what is it? And and this this is pretty much based on what you've both talking about in in respect to stewardship and relationships. Um, we're not talking about the nuts and bolts uh, the technical aspects of murals today but we'll get to that in a future episode what is foundational to a successful mural project
0: um for me uh, um, a successful mural project is one that I think, like, there's two sides for me to answer that. Like, there's the side of me as an artist and what I get fulfilled out of process and the way that I view a project and what feels fulfilling for me. Um, And that is, one, that I learn something. It's really, really rewarding when I can, I feel like, like I made a genuine connection and I can also learn from the process Um, Of course, I know my painting process, but it's more than that. Like Being able to learn from the people that are there, and it's very, very enlightening for me to be able to work in a community-engaged process and meet somebody and to think about the world and a space and a city in a completely different and new way. And um, that's that's the part that I take away for me as success, um, is when I'm able to learn something and be able to translate that idea that care and those notions of learning and conversation and enlightenment um, into an image. Because a lot of the times, my community-engaged process isn't working with people who are artists. It's working with elders, or maybe children, or um, an activist group, or. Um, who have never really had this opportunity to visualize a statement or a idea or a pain or a violence or a joy or a conflict or a moment in time in history. Any of these concepts or ideas that are very heavy and take you know, this moment of, of conversation and recollection and processing and kind of going back and forth and... Um, you know, pulling at these things and then think about it in a visual way. So being able to successfully take these conversations and kind of like take apart this, you know, this thing and Mm -hmm. translate it into a work um, that that is then embraced by the community and has allowed um, the members that I have worked with, but then also the broader community to see a space in a new in a new way and and. uh, Mm yeah, it it to be truly transformative. And I think that that's always what I'm looking for is that, you know, we take this wall maybe it's even a blight i don't know um maybe it's just a boring office building i don't know and pretty soon it's not it's a monument it's a mo- it's a monument of of survival it's a monument of joy it's a monument of of it's a place to come and and have a conversation around so those are those are the successes for me
1: wow that's amazing, That's right. transformational on on all levels. Yeah. Um, and Kim, for you, you
2: know, I would. Um, you know, it's so hard to follow up with Nani because she's <laughs> deep in it and so thoughtful about everything and. Um, What I was thinking of is that um, I was going to say, it's not only a deep looking project, but it's a deep listening project, you know, just to follow up on what she was saying, you know, that you think of, you know, making art, it's all about visual, it's all about creating something for people to look at, but a a really successful, I feel, um, community mural project is one that includes just as much deep listening um, engagement. Mm -hmm. And as she mentioned, some of the most successful murals that site not only is transformed visually, but it becomes a community site where people actually want to gather. Those are some of the, in the history of mural making, some great anecdotal um, events or um, facts about community murals that they become gathering sites. So, you know, for instance, ar- around times of trauma, like 1968 riots in Chicago, for instance, there was one particular mural. The wall of respect where everyone went to when those riots were happening, you know, because everyone mm-hmm. knew people just intuitively, because it became such a central part of the community, knew that the right people were going to be there to talk to as community. And there's so many wonderful stories about that of how a mural can, because of the deep listening, <laughs> become mm. a place that the community feels that they own and that they feel comfortable in.
1: Well, that's you know the the idea of it's not just visual, but it's also you know physical and listening and all of these other senses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know I I've, I've got to wrap up now, and um, and I really appreciate uh, what you both have shared uh, today, and and yes, we need to come back to this, uh, have a larger conversation or a longer conversation at some point during this episode series. So thank you again. Both of you for Thank joining you. us in the studio today.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Of course. And uh, so, to our listeners, I hope this episode got you thinking about murals a little bit, you know, maybe differently, uh, but also the murals in our city, uh, even in your neighborhood. So, feel free to take some selfies with your faves. <laughs> Tag us at ABQ Public Art on Instagram uh, or Facebook. If you want to learn more about murals in albuquerque please visit m u r o s abq.com check out the newsletter that will come along with this podcast so you can learn a little bit more about about kim and nani because they're they're amazing amazing people uh doing awesome work out there um so join us for our next episode which will be released on the 13th of march i'll be talking with a couple local artists more artists than so nani is our first artist talking with us about murals about the logistics of coordinating and making murals happen in albuquerque so thank you for listening we hope that if you've listened to this podcast that you will take another look at albuquerque's public art thank you thank you thank you
0: thanks for listening to learn more about the Albuquerque Public Art Program, the public art collection, opportunities for artists and so much more, visit cabq.gov publicart public art. To learn more about the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund, visit cabq.gov UETF. Tune in next time to take another look at the City of Albuquerque Public Art Urban Enhancement Division.